0: one. Welcome to Fighting for Writing. Sorry if this is really quiet. I am recording at nine at night, trying not to wake people up. Basically what happened is I had recorded an episode to be the 10th episode, and then because of technical difficulties, it didn't record correctly, and it sounded super echoey, and it was not nice and good at all, so that was super annoying. So basically I am re-recording my 10th episode. So here's round two of the big 1-0, big 10. I was just thinking about when I was a kid, you know, how you couldn't wait into, to be 10 years old. And how amazing it was to be in the double digits. And now that I'm in the double digits, I'm like, why did I ever, ever want to be in the double digits? Was I insane? What What was wrong with me? So that's kind of entertaining. And... I'm trying to think of what else has happened. I was sick for a week, and I basically did nothing because of that. I was so, so sick, and I saw The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is supposed to be an adaptation of a single chapter of Dracula, where Dracula is coming over on a boat to England and basically slaughters the whole crew. And it was horrible. It was... Maybe the worst Dracula adaptation I've ever seen, though I'm not positive. I've seen so many and I don't like any of them, so this isn't a shock that I didn't like this one, but this one was just particularly bad. I felt like it wasn't scary as just a monster movie with jump scares or horror or psychological terror because they're all confined on this boat and Dracula is there, so it wasn't scary as just a monster movie and as a Dracula movie, it was crap. So, so bad. And I think the thing that annoyed me the most was things that affect Dracula in the book, such as crosses, didn't seem to affect him at all in the movie, and yet the one thing that doesn't affect him that for some reason people think does, which is sunlight, and I mean it does affect him in the way that his powers are diminished during the day, but Dracula does not catch on fire or burn up or burn to death when he is out during the day at all. And that is, of course, the one weakness that the vampires seem to have in this movie. And it was just the complete opposite of Dracula. And it was just forgettable. And I didn't care that any of the characters were dying. And the ending was dumb. And it was just not a good movie at all. I would not suggest seeing The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I went to theaters to see it because I was kind of excited. Maybe thought it would be good. Waste of my money. So don't, I do not suggest seeing The Last Voyage of the Demeter at all. It's horrible. I feel like I might dedicate an episode just to Dracula. And talk about all the things that are wrong with every adaptation that I've ever seen. This one especially though, man. ah, The crew was so dumb too. They're like, we're going to look everywhere to find this thing that's trying to kill us. And... So they look everywhere but the giant 50 boxes that are in their cargo bay. Like, oh, it isn't anywhere else. Where could it be? Hmm. And then, of course, they realize that, it. that Dracula comes out at night. And yet they're searching his boxes during night at one scene. And I was like, how about you search them during the day when we're according to this world, he'll burn up. If you open the coffins and shine some sunlight on him. So, I mean, just everything about it was awful. It had <laughs> it had the fakest dead dog ever. So there is a dog on the boat and Dracula kills it. And when they find it, you know, like it was a dead dog prop. Except I feel like it was <laughs> the cheapest no one tried on it type prop i've ever seen like props from the 70s 80s 60s like any time before this looked better than that fake dog prop that was a dead dog like it was just whoa it was bad and if it was cgi also bad worst worst like i don't mean to be rude but i think i could make a better dead dog prop than that one It was just didn't look anything like <laughs> Okay. So it was horrible. Don't go watch The Last Witch of the Demeter. Sorry if this sounds like I'm whispering. I am trying to speak quiet like I said it's 9:14. Try not to wake anyone up, but because of technical difficulties due to the episode that I recorded and me attempting to upload it last minute and fix everything, I realized I couldn't do it. So yeah. Anyway, this is the big one. Episode 10. I made it this far and Originally, I read a chapter from Bring With You the Rains to celebrate, but I really just honestly don't feel like reading the same thing again that I just read uh, that didn't turn out right. So instead, I'm going to be reading The Beginning of Soul Eater, the first novel I ever wrote. I am skipping the prologue to get to a, a scene that I'd rather read, to be honest. But uh, basically the prologue is just a dream where a girl is chasing a man and the man ends up dead. And there is another man in the dream who has a cane and dresses all in black. And that's the prologue. So this is picking up after the prologue. Eric jerked awake and clung to his sheets, pulling them up around him. His chest was heaving, and his eyes darted around the room until he realized that the man was not there. He had not stepped from the darkness of the dream into the darkness of Eric's room. Good. Good. Eric fell back to the hard floor where he always slept and lay staring at the ceiling. A new dream, he thought. Strange. Usually Eric dreamt of a fire and a woman screaming. However, this time was different. The man in the dream was the same as he was in real life. He had always been the same. Every time he came, there was not a mite of difference in him, down to the dark gloves he wore and the cane that he carried. And Eric was afraid that the man had stepped from that dark city into his dark room. It had happened more than once before, and it almost cost him his life. Always be aware, the man had taught him. The man never beat him. Oh, no. It was his very presence that disturbed Eric, frightened him terribly so, and disgusted him. He was almost a man. He shouldn't be afraid of his childhood nightmares. The girl in the dream, though? Eric had never seen her before. But he knew. Hello, Eric. A chill went through Eric's body. Oh, no. He did not move. I know that you are not sleeping. Sit up. Slowly, almost mechanically, the boy sat up, not facing the man. Look at me, Eric. Look at me, my son. Eric hated that word, son, the way the man said it in a mockingly endearing way, as if he could actually be his father. Fine. You wish not to move? Then be. Eric quickly rolled up and turned, ending in a low crouch close to the ground. The man smiled, stepping forward into the moonlight. That is better. Remember, always be aware, always be prepared. Now, enough of my teachings. Time to listen. As if Eric hadn't already been listening. I need you to find someone. How did you get in? Eric whispered. He had asked this question so many times, never receiving a clear answer. The man scoffed. I walked. Eric only looked at the man. He knew both the window and the door in the room were bolted shut, and the stairs outside the door creaked too much for the man to come in silently and surprise Eric. It is simple, Eric. Really. I took a step there, and then I was here. Eric's eyes narrowed. Ah! You want to know why you did not see me, why you did not hear me? Well, that is simply because I did not want to be seen nor heard. I wanted to watch. Watch you. The man twirled his hand in the air as if playing with something. No doubt he was. Just something that Eric could not see. You were dreaming again, I see. Eric's eyes drifted down to the floor. He hated that the man knew everything. About the fire? Eric let a small smile break onto his face, but then quickly subdued it before the man saw. Always control your feelings he had been taught. But Eric was happy. At least there was one thing the man didn't know. Eric had told him of the dreams when he was younger, a small boy. He had been plagued by them even then. And he had told the man, clung to his legs and cried because he had been so scared. And the man had stroked his hair and had spoken in a low, calming voice until Eric had stopped crying. Eric remembered that. Eric remembered. Eric? He snapped back to the present moment, and not wanting to tell the man what he had seen in his dream, Eric continued looking at the ground and muttered, Yes. (sighs) Why do these dreams still haunt you, boy? They began so many years ago, when you were a child. You are now almost a man. Why can you not overcome it? I don't know, Eric answered honestly. The man tapped his cane on the ground a few times. Tap, tap, tap. The sound echoed around the room. He was thinking. No matter, no matter. Dreams come and dreams go. I am sure that in time, they will all pass. You said that you had a job for me. Eric said, trying to change the subject. I told you. There was another tap. I need you to find someone. Men judge generally more by the eye than by the hand. For everyone can see, and few can feel. Everyone sees what you appear to be. Few really know what you are. How true that is, C hurled Machiavelli's The Prince against the wall. She had only read it about 500 times by now, and was quite bored of it. Sometimes she wondered if that's why her father did what he did, because he got incredibly bored. Actually, she didn't wonder that. She knew that. And she hated catching herself thinking about her father, because if she thought about things like her father, that meant she was thinking like he did and thinking of doing horrible things herself, because she was bored, so dreadfully bored. And if she was thinking about doing all the horrible nasties, that meant that her father was right, and they were more alike than she would care to admit. And she really did not want to admit that. Time to move, see grumbled, halting her thoughts in their tracks as he dropped off her hammock and onto the hard cement floor. She landed lightly, catching herself on the tips of her fingers and toes. Most people would not care to live where C lived, but she did not need what most people needed. Her home consisted of the bare concrete floor with a dingy light swinging back and forth from the ceiling being all that lit the small room. That and the one window. It was towards this window that she now moved, jamming it open and leaning on the sill letting her head rest into her curled hands. The sun was going down, a blood-red and bright yellow, casting long shadows onto the streets and silhouetting the large apartment complexes and skyscrapers gilded in glass and steel. Seaside. No place like... home. She turned back to the room. A few books lay scattered about, not at all placed on her small bookshelf in an orderly manner. She went over and picked them up one by one. The prince. The art of war. No wonder I'm bored. She picked up another. Mein Kampf. And depressed. She gathered all the books in her hands and put them neatly on the shelf tucked in the corner of her room and grabbed the one object that had lain there before. A small orange stone. C. unwound the chain around the stone and slipped the necklace over her head. As the stone touched her skin, it almost seemed to light a fire before cooling again. Well, friends, she said to no one, guess it is time to get moving. From the folds of her hammock, C. snatched up a rucksack, worn leather but still durable. Her eyes scanned the room and after finding nothing amiss, she closed the window and left. She walked out with no thoughts or feelings. The building had been abandoned years ago. She had no rent to pay. No neighbors to say heartfelt goodbyes to. Leaving was nothing new to her. She had done it so many times before. She had never had friends holding her back, not once. Well, maybe once, but she tried not to think about that. She always thought when she was bored and that was a problem, whose solution was to not be bored, and that meant moving, always moving. I should probably go hunting, she muttered to herself, and the wind answered back, whipping through the trees. Her stomach was unsettled. Something wasn't right. It's probably that I'm hungry, or hangry. Hangry was a word she had learned listening to people on the street. That described her quite well, and quite often. Maybe she wasn't bored, only hangry. When hangry, all that mattered was food, food, food. And she was going to get some. The hunt was especially good that night. C found it fascinating that because a man claimed the title of priest, he thought he was safe. As if a title made a man holy. Or even good, C thought. She wondered what her father was doing these days with holy men. Then she growled in disgust and tossed the body of the priest to the ground, thinking about father again. Always so, always so, said a voice in the back of her head. Shut up, she muttered to the voice. It laughed the laugh of an innocent child. She looked at the man in black robes and bent down, gently touching the rosary around his neck. Oh, how the mighty have fallen, she mused. Humans were so fragile, so easily tossed by the wind, so easy to entice, too easy to entice. Even after eating, C's stomach remained unsettled. Must be the damn weather. A mockingbird swayed on the branches of a tree, singing out its song in the light morning air. If a barometer had been present, the atmospheric pressure would have read calm and peaceful. The bird's melody rang out, sweetness in the ears. And then the mockingbird burst into flames. The fire came so fast that the bird didn't even have time to shriek. A blazing flame enveloped the trees in the surrounding area, consuming them in seconds. Then the fire was gone. The bird stood roasted to the now blackened branches of the tree. Almost comically, it fell forward onto the ground in a perfect nosedive. There was the whisper of a thump as it hit the ground. A man sat up in the middle of the small, now burnt, clearing, arising from the ashes and the relics of burnt leaves. He shook his head. Then snapped it back into place, facing forward. Slowly, he pulled his knees up and rested his elbows upon them. Taking a deep breath in, he raised his head to the sky. It felt warm, but that may have been the effects of the fire. His eyes opened, a smile spreading over his pale face as he began to laugh. Woohoo! Quickly, he was on his feet and brushing off his sooty clothes. He strode forward with a jump in his step, his arms swinging happily and confidently at his sides. When his eyes met the mockingbird on the ground, he stopped. His brow furrowed, and for a long while he looked at the bird. Then he laughed as he smashed the heel of his boot down onto the fragile body, grinding it into the ground. Sorry, fella. Wrong place. Wrong place wrong time his laughing was almost uncontrollable carrying across the forest as he ran free and as quick as lightning his high-pitched uncontained laughter bubbling up and coming out in short spurts and bursts like disrupted hiccups always laughing always laughing the first sign of life that the man hit besides the bird was a small band of people He crouched behind the bushes in the forest, his steely blue eyes peering out and watching. The group was gathered around a small, smoldering fire. Many of the people had instruments that they were playing. Some passed around a small white stick that they each took turns putting into their mouth. That must be a cigarette, the man thought. Being imprisoned had caused him to forget much of what he knew of the world before, but now he was remembering. Yes. A cigarette. And what they are drinking is... He did not need to squint to see the label on the bottle. He was a natural hunter, his instincts sharpened and willing to take in details with no conscious effort whatsoever. Beer. These people looked like hippies to him, but he thought that hippies had gone extinct after the 60s. People in the group began to sing, and the man bounced slightly up and down on the balls of his feet following the rhythm. He enjoyed the music and the atmosphere. These people are having fun. Now it is my turn to have fun, too. Standing, he stretched his limbs and called out to the people, stepping from his hiding place. Hello, hello. How are y'all doing? He tried to put the best drawl into his voice, but it had been years since he had spoken to anyone. Everything seemed to come out wrong, but he still smiled, and thought that the people might appreciate that. They all turned to look at him. Sorry, he began speaking again, his accent ever deepening and improving. You see, my uh, my car broke down, and I was just wandering through these woods, and I heard your most wonderful music, and so... He shrugged. My name is Bo. What's all y'all's names? I'm Charlotte, a girl with long braids answered. Oh, You look delicious, Beau said, and when she giggled and the others looked at him funny, he tried his best to blush. But he had never blushed in his life. He wasn't sure if his blood or his skin was up to it. I I meant beautiful. You say your car broke down? The man that was sitting next to Charlotte stood. Yes, yes, a few miles back that way. Beau motioned vaguely behind him, but kept his eyes locked with Charlotte's. I happen to know these woods well, and there isn't a road around here for miles. Oh? Beau looked at each person. Some shifted uneasily. Urban development? Beau smiled shyly. Get out of here. The young man who had been speaking waved his hand. Mark? Charlotte grabbed a hold of the man's sleeve. There's nothing wrong. He can stay here tonight if he needs to. We can help you fix your car tomorrow. Charlotte looked Bo up and down. He was definitely not like the other men with her. He was thin, frighteningly so, and his eyes were the clearest blue she had ever seen. As she looked into his eyes, he blinked, his long dark lashes covering those pools of infinity. Thank you. Don't mind if I do say the night. Beau held Charlotte's gaze again. Seem you have a nice group here. Happy little crew. Yeah, it's nice out here, away from everything. A boy chimed in. Away from everything. Beau whispered, his eyes shifting from Charlotte to stare into the embers of the fire. What if I just... The fire leapt back to life, and many stumbled back from the sudden and searing heat. Beau giggled. (laughs) Mark stepped towards Beau, his voice dipping into a husky growl. You can leave now. Beau kept watching the fire. He was not worried. He was not afraid. I'm sorry, my friend. Mark, was it? Mark took another step towards Beau. But the last time I was asked to leave and didn't, I was locked away for years. And that will not be happening again. No music danced through the woods. Everything was hushed in fear. Even the trees did not move in the wind. Someone stronger and older than they had stepped into their world and taken power. Beau was glad there had been no children amongst the group. Children could be useful. They were impressionable, and he did not like to kill them. Unlike his father, who delighted in the suffering of all regardless of age, Beau thought children deserved to live. Because they are so damn fun to play with, he thought as he ran his tongue over Charlotte's arm. Her blood ran around his mouth, and he spread it over his teeth and gums, making sure every part was covered so that he could really savor the taste. Charlotte had been the youngest one there, Beau would have guessed. Mark's blood had tasted downright awful, but had been worth the chaos and shrieking it had caused when the others had seen Beau's face planted in the young man's neck. The recent memory made Beau's heart leap. Once Mark was gone, the fun had begun but Mark's blood had not been tasteful. Charlotte's, however? Hers was not bad. He would not be craving for blood again anytime soon, though. Beau was, after all, no vampire. When he was satisfied with her blood, Beau let Charlotte's arm drop to the ground and he stroked her hair gently before standing, surveying what he had done. He noticed the silence was broken by a small creaking sound. Damn tree, he thought, and the limbs of a nearby blue spruce caught a flame until nothing was left. Much better, Bo said, and let his eyes trail around the scene he had painted. Many of the small group were still seated. Those that had tried to run were on the ground, twisted in unnaturally grotesque positions. Some were burned, blackened beyond recognition. Others had chunks of their skin missing in various parts. But most were frozen, with their yellowed skin pulled tight around their bones. All of them were dead. A few, Bo noticed, had skeletal parts protruding from their remains. Bo walked to a man sitting on a log. The skin on his dead face was so thin that the skeletal structure could be seen through it. His eyes and nose were gone and the top of his skull poked up from his flesh. Bo wrapped his arm over the shoulders of the dead man. The man's skin began to crack. A chunk of his cheek fell away. Bo watched it fall. In the man's hand was a beer bottle filled with now boiling, bubbling liquid. Bo glared at the bottle until it shattered, the heat from the escaping liquid causing him no harm. Then he sat down next to the man, laying his head on the man's shoulder. Drinking is a vice, my father always said. Beau spoke in a chiding tone. You poor man. Beau's hand came up to pet the man's exposed skull. Then Beau moved his head up until it was resting on the bare bone. Your own fault. Don't you know that drinking is a vice, and vices are sins, and bring on the devil? Beau chuckled quietly. Drinking is a vice that leads to all kinds of bad things. You should have known. Vice isn't nice father always said vice isn't nice vice isn't nice vice isn't a wind blew around bow and his head snapped up who dared to interrupt him human or not bocario bo left his dead friend behind coming to his feet and searching for the origin of the voice he turned in circles looking frantically where where he stopped eyes narrowing to disdainful slits. A snarl came deep within his throat. Hello, father. Do not worry. I am not here. The voice sounded again, coming from every direction. Bocario's face hardened. He felt foolish for having felt fear, like a child again. Where are you, then? Too scared to show your face? No. No simply otherwise occupied. Too busy even for your only son. There was silence for a moment, then cold laughter. Never too busy for my children. The world seemed to part, and a ghostly apparition of Beau's father came into focus in front of him. Same as ever, even the ridiculous cane he takes with him. Bo's father took a few steps forward and Bokariel spat at his feet. His father stopped, his nose turning up in disgust. But all he said was, I see you finally escaped. No thanks to you, Bo snapped. That is no way to speak to your father. What has gotten into you, my child? Bokariel bowed his head. You are right, father. Forgive me. For I have sinned. Even as he asked for forgiveness, Beau was smiling, mocking. I am neither here to forgive nor forget. Beau's head came up. Nor am I. A few taps of the cane on the ground. I know your intentions here, but I would be wary. Your sister rules here. <laughs> Bo threw his head back. My sister? My sister? Her stay here has made her weak. She does not even reign, preferring to hide in the shadows. A coward. She doesn't embrace who she fully is. Now that I am here, this world shall be mine. She is stronger than you think. Don't try to frighten me, old fool. Beau's father growled. What? Taunted, you cannot stop me here. The man quickly scanned the clearing and saw what had been done. You should not have come. She will know. And what if she does? It's been a long time since I've played with my sister. I am ready to do it again. Are you? Bokariel growled, and long fangs seemed to extend from behind his lips as his father watched. Leave here, his father whispered. You can no longer command me, Bo screamed. You should not have come. Bokariel stood staring at his father, then turned and began walking calmly away. As he passed a dead woman lying on the ground... Beau stooped down and wiped his hand along her body. Her skin cracked as he did so and curled away from his touch, peeling the woman until he reached her skull and it split open. The woman's brains leaked out onto the ground. Goodbye, father, Beau Bo said. Bocario's father watched him go until he was out of sight. Well, I hope that was somewhat entertaining as the 10th episode. Sorry it wasn't anything amazing. Like I said, I recorded some stuff before, but due to audio and technical difficulties, it just didn't come out how I wanted it. And so I just decided to redo it, but read something else because I didn't feel like reading the same thing over and over again. That was the beginning of Soul Leader, the first novel that I ever wrote. I did take out some parts as I was reading it, so... I don't know if it 100% made sense, but I do love it. And I just actually finished the first draft of the second book. And I think it's kind of crap, (laughs) to be honest. I think the ending is all right. I think I need to expand the ending a little bit. I think I kind of rushed it because I just wanted to get the draft done. And I was so excited to get it done that I just rushed the ending and I need to go back and write or rewrite it. And there are parts in the middle, too. I I like the beginning and I like the end. The end just needs to be fleshed out a bit more and fixed. But yeah, so that was the beginning of the first novel I ever wrote. It has changed a lot since the first time I wrote it. But that is its current iteration. And this was The Big Tenno. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who has listened. Please like, share, subscribe. To my podcast, and if you have any questions, please reach out to me at TatesAPB on Instagram or TatesAPB.com. I will link everything below in the podcast description. And if you are interested in representing any of my novels I have talked about, if you are interested in representing the Soul Eater trilogy, which currently has one book and the second crappy one that I need to fix, but it is going to be a trilogy and it will be a trilogy. And if you're interested in representing that, let me know. Reach out to me once again at tatesapb on Instagram or tatesapb.com. is my website. Thank you so much for listening to this 10th episode. Sorry, it wasn't the best. I'm literally recording it the night before it is going out. Thanks to the original episode, not working out. So yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy reading, enjoy writing, enjoy life.